pushing. Keep pushing, keep pushing. And I need you to be a minister for a moment and find somebody sit, sitting in your general vicinity. Look them dead in the eyes if they owe you $20. And tell them, neighbor, whatever you do, keep pushing. Keep pushing, keep pushing. It's hard to keep pushing in the world that we're living in right now. How is one supposed to find serenity and sanity and strength in the world we live in right now? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited because this is the first episode that I've done 100% from the inside of the bus. I have an incredible guest on this week. Uh, we talk about a very serious and deep topic uh, close to his heart, and it's an incredible episode, so I cannot wait to share it with you all. As a reminder, if you want to work with me one-on-one, head over to www.nicobarraza.com. Uh, I'm only working with clients about one day a week now, um, so limited space is available, booking out about two weeks. Uh, but if you want to inquire more, I always offer a free 15-minute Zoom consultation to see if we are a good match to see, just get to know each other a little bit. You can ask as many questions as you want about my methodology and how I work with people. And perhaps if I can help you, what you're going through, or what you're looking to do in your life. So head over to www.nicobarraza.com. Also, if you haven't already, I know I've asked this before on the show. So forgive me if this is just getting old or long in the tooth, but really, if you can leave the show, start the ego feed the soul, a five-star written review on Apple. It means a whole lot to me, guys, really. It's couldn't ask you for more. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, it just makes a huge difference uh, in ratings and allows the show to just get up in that in the sort of, you know, Apple's poll system so more people can see it, more people can listen to it, more people can engage, as well as Spotify. Spotify doesn't allow you to write a written review, but you can just leave a five-star review. You just click five stars, and it's as simple as that. Probably in total time, it'll take you a minute or two to do both of those reviews but it would mean a lot to me and uh, you know, just a way you can give back for free. Um, as always, I appreciate you being here. Quick little ad pitch here. I am working with an incredible company uh, known as West Coast Laser Therapy here in Southern California since I've been here for the past year trying to get my shoulder fixed up. Uh, looking forward to returning back home to Northern Arizona, but uh, until then I'll be splitting time between the two, two areas. Um, West Coast Laser Therapy is an incredible company, woman-owned, woman-operated. Uh, they have this proprietary, amazing class four laser that uh, has been one of the only things that I've found after, after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on different modalities that has really helped me with my chronic pain. It helped me recover uh, with my shoulder, with other injuries as, a, as an athlete. Um, really the premise of this laser is it penetrates seven inches deep into muscle tissue, into any sort of tissue, and basically stimulates your body's natural healing process, right? It produces uh, more growth-oriented cells, regenerates healthy tissue, reduces inflammation, increases blood flow to an area. It can help a lot with scar tissue, with post-surgical damage, with any sort of athletic musculature injury, whether it be a tear, tendinopathy, tendinosis, tendinitis, um, overuse injury, you know, for calf issues. Uh, it's helped with gut health for a lot of people. It's helped with depression and anxiety for a lot of folks too, because they, they laser people's brains as well too. Um, the efficacy of this laser is, is super high. It's FDA cleared. It's uh, the only class four laser of its kind in the world. Uh, West Coast Laser Therapy, just an incredible company. I couldn't, I couldn't recommend them more to people. Uh, they're expanding. They're right now they're only in Southern California, but they're going to be growing um, uh, 
you know, quite, quite a bit more soon here. But if you're in the San Diego area, if you're in the Orange County area, they have locations in San Diego. They have one in Carlsbad. They have one in Solana Beach. They have one in Rancho Santa Fe. They have locations in Orange County and Newport Beach and Irvine. Check them out. Mention that you heard this on the show. They'll give you 10% off your first session. Uh, it's, it's honestly an incredible healing modality, everybody. If you, if you include that with your PT, with your chiropractic work, with your, with your yoga, with your meditation, um, it's just done wonders for me. I, I really appreciate them, uh, over there at West Coast and I'm happy to be working with them as well, too. So check them out and, uh, let them know that Starved Ego Feed the Soul sent you and they'll, they'll hook you up with a little bit of a discount. All right, y'all. Uh, I've had some incredible guests on the show, obviously, if you've listened for a while now. And I first came across my guest, Mr. Colby Bell, uh, from looking at different bus videos on YouTube. I was just looking at different bus builds before I purchased this one. And, you know, of course, you, you click on one video on YouTube and it takes you on a rabbit hole of so many different content creators. And then this beautiful profile came up of this young family living this incredible life. Uh, traveling out of a bus. They they traveled international a lot. And uh, I, I, started, I subscribed to them because I really thought it was just, as I explained the episode, just very, very palpable, you know, warm, authentic energy from the things they were talking about. Just like, you know, kind of damn the life perspective of of him and his wife and their kids and, and their, them living their life and talking about bus life and talking about travel and and um, you know it was just it was just a beautiful account to follow and uh, I followed that account and then shortly after he um, posted an, an updated video that his wife had subsequently passed away from a, a long battle with breast cancer that had turned metastatic and uh, it it was just you know it was heart wrenching to watch that um, on YouTube, not not knowing this couple at all, but obviously having worked very closely with Dr. Beth Dupree, who's a really close friend of mine. I've had her on the show, one of the most world-renowned breast cancer surgeons ever, uh, very much into psychedelic medicine now, um, and just an incredible human being. You know, honestly, consider her like a second mom to myself. And so I have, I have some experience. I've filmed in the OR uh, with breast cancer biopsies, you know, and, and reading that uh, and seeing that on, on YouTube, it was, it was just really disheartening. You know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I had tears in my eyes listening to the story that, you know, Colby was telling of his, of his late wife, who was very, very, was very, very young when she passed away. And I really wanted to get him on the show to talk about his approach to healing, grieving, to um, being a caretaker of someone with, with an illness of that level, uh, to watch uh, you know, someone that you love deeply go through this battle, go through the struggle and to speak about the struggles of being a caretaker on that level too, on, on how it affects, you know, not just the individual experiencing it, but the individual taking care of that person. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's just a beautiful story and a testament to the strength of love and the will of perseverance. And, uh, you know, you can tell through this conversation, just how deep and meaningful, uh, their relationship was and, and how much, uh, you know, Colby's learned and grown from it. And he also just shares very candidly about the struggles as well, too, which I very much appreciate. You know, there's a lot of emotions in this episode, so please prepare yourself for that. Um, but it's a very positive episode and it is, although it's deep and there are some dark parts of it, uh, it's incredibly uplifting. And, and this is uh, merely a part of the human experience and a part of being alive. And uh, I feel very blessed to have this conversation he would come on the show and share 
such a deep piece and a deep experience of his life and his lifetime with me and also in memory of his of his late wife Emily as well too and Emily's a writer uh, she I, I, I read a handful of, of her of her pieces after I found their YouTube channel and I asked Colby to share a piece with me that he think would represent you know her essence best because I really want to pay homage to um, her life since since I feel like she's in this conversation as well too since so much of it is about their life together and their love um, and so this is a piece by Emily Bell treasures in the shadows a few years back it occurred to me that sometimes you have to walk through the dark to flip on the light so often we shrink from our shadows afraid of the monsters memories and emotions that lurk inside and then when the light floods our space sometimes we squint to adjust as the darkness is displaced. There are treasures to be found in the dark, and just imagine our joy when the light reveals the long-awaited treasures reclaimed. As we embrace our shadows, we invite others to do the same. <sighs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Colby, for sharing that piece of writing with us all, and for Emily for writing it. I hope you all enjoy this episode, and I cannot wait to hear the feedback from it because I truly enjoyed the conversation I had with Mr. Colby Bell. So I guess we should start here. You know, I think maybe, you know, I can honestly, like usually I'll start the show, but I feel like since I already kind of gave you a background you know i never really put that on the show but i feel like this is such an organic conversation that maybe we just say we already started it and you know i think in my mind i i kind of want to know how did you two decide and when to move into a school bus and you know because that's it's already rare enough for a single person to live out of a vehicle that's really nicely built out it's even more rare for a couple to do it because that provides its own challenges because you have very close living quarters and it's even more rare for a couple with kids with a sizable family to do it, you know? So how did you guys get to that point? And, you know, was it, was it her bringing it to your idea? Was it your idea? Was it together? You know, how did you get, cause what got you there? Yeah. So that one, um, it actually, the first time it ever got brought up. So we, um, we were traveling internationally. Like we would just do a country a month. Um, and I remember one time you start, you start connecting with a lot of other like kind of travel families and things like that when you're kind of in that space. Um, and just as you're kind of like working on Instagram and social media things, right. we saw, or my, my wife showed me another like family that were traveling more in the States and they were out of a, it wasn't a school bus, but it was like a renovated like shuttle, but it was like a renovated, like some type of bus or something. Hold on, I think my, I think my battery just died <laughs> on my camera. <laughs> it's all right. Um, Let's see if I can. It's funny that you said because I have I have like a you know one of those batteries that just plugs into a 120 that it keeps your camera rolling. Yeah, that, that's what I have with this because I when I first started this show I was just using batteries and I was just having too many <laughs> too many instances <laughs> of changing it. Yeah. I don't do this too often. And so like, but now I'm like, yeah, I just need to get it. I need to get it set. I don't know. Oh, cool. That one's, we should be good then. Okay. Perfect. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, Emily had shown me this other family that had like this like renovated shuttle bus. There we go. Can you hear me? Yep. Gotcha. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, uh, she had shown me this, like this one family. I can't remember what their, what their name was or anything, but I think I moved up my camera too when I, um, oops. Uh, but so yeah, she had, um, shown me this family renovated like a shuttle bus or something like that. And they're also really good, like photographers yep. too. So their pictures always looked like really good and stuff. And so she was like, what do you think about doing something like this? And we're like, I don't remember where we are. I think we're in like New Zealand or something. And she's like, yeah, what, what, what would you think about doing something like this? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> it had like zero appeal to me. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yep. I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, cool. You look like you were just for a second but yeah so i was like no way i that's too small like i love what we're doing right now yeah like why would i want to do that when we're doing like what we're doing right now or we can live in like houses and things and um and so it's funny and then come basically like a year later uh by this time she, uh, she had gotten diagnosed already we had moved back into a house that we had planned on never moving back into. We were renting it. We were just going to keep it as a rental. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we both kind of felt this need and this urge. We were like, I feel like we're, we feel like we should sell the house. This is 2020. So it's right when like things are kind of becoming pretty uncertain. Cause like COVID's like things are shutting down um, in March and like, we're like, what? But just kind of had this like feeling like we needed to sell the house. But we were like, but okay, we understand that. Let's sell the house. But like, where are we going to move? Like nothing felt right of like where to go. Right. Because we wanted to stay in the States because we wanted to have access to like, like just more like Western and like food and um, certain like, you know, like facilities so that she could still like focus on her healing. Yep. Um, Because we ran into some issues with that, like traveling internationally. And so we're like, well... And then it was like, well, I guess we could just like do the bus thing. Like, I think I had mentioned it to her and she was like, yeah, do you? And I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I think it makes sense. Like, yeah. cause then we could still travel. We're not constantly moving all the time. That was the other thing is like when you were moving locations internationally, it was like new bed, new place, like kind of like you're always having to pack up your stuff. And we're like, well, this way we can just always have our same beds, always have our like stuff kind of like with us but we're just seeing new locations all the time. And so it kind of just made sense that way. And then we were like, all right. So we started looking into buses and then like a couple of weeks later, we flew out to Colorado and bought a bus. We had no clue what we were like getting into and stuff. We like show up and we're like, okay, cool. That's a, it's a bus. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know mechanics of like bus things or just like what exactly to look for and stuff. But you know, we, we bought it. It was good for the sellers. They were they were needing to get rid of it and get some money, and then it was good for us. So, and did you guys build it out yourselves? Yeah. So the people, and I'm trying to think if I fully answered your question. So, um, let me go back just a minute. So we had looked into like into like RVs and stuff too, um, and even like sprinters and stuff like like vans, and we just needed some space, like with having three kids and also traveling helped us to get more into that mindset as stuff of just kind of like a minimal 
life because we just lived out of like a few suitcases. Right. Um, and we weren't ever staying in like big places, like two to three bedroom like places, like usually two bedroom places, like kids would all sleep in a room and then me and Emily would sleep in a room. Um, nothing like super big. Like we were, our house was like a six bedroom house that right. we only used like half of and stuff. And so, uh, so that kind of prepped us to like, okay, yeah, we, we could go small. Like we can be, we can be small. Um, and then, uh, looked into RVs and yeah, we were like, nah, cause we wanted to like all the RVs I looked at. Uh, so I have a, I'm, I used to be an architect. And so like, I was like, there's no way I'm going to want to just like be in like this RV. Like I want to like redo everything. But at that point it's hard to like renovate RVs like a lot. Like you, you can do like kind of like cosmetic stuff, but. And then we just sort of like kind of looking into buses and it was just like the wild west with that. You can just do whatever you want. And so, yeah, the, the one that we got, I had wanted, I had read horror stories from like, uh, stripping out all the seats and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, we we're like, cool, we want to buy something ideally that has like the, it's gutted, um, preferably with like a roof raise, um, just so we have a little bit more headspace and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we happened to find this one. They had they had raised the roof themselves, so it wasn't the nicest job, I guess, but it was it was fine. Um, and they had gutted it, and they had started to do it. They had like insulated it, and they had started to put in a few things. Um, but we kind of like we took everything that they had kind of started out. Oh yeah, sorry, and they had replaced the windows with some RV windows, and so that kind of like forced us to lay it out a certain way because yep. of where the windows were at. Um, but that's where we, we, yeah, we started kind of as like a skeleton once I guess I pulled some of their stuff out, but. And I'm, I might've missed this, but was she already dealing with the illness at that time? Are you, were you guys already aware of it? Has she already been diagnosed? Yeah. So that's what stopped our international travels. We were coming home um, for a couple like family things and she she had started to get concerned about it like a month or two before. Okay. And so she got it checked while we were home and then found out and that put a halt to every all the internet because we were planning to just go back and leave. We we're going to go to Europe. And then uh, so that, yeah, that halted to that. That was in like June of 2019. Um, yeah, June 2019, we found out. August or September, um, she did like a month at a clinic in Cancun okay. and kind of had like an at-home protocol that she was doing. And we had kind of like a team of like health professionals and stuff that we were kind of like um, monitoring her, her progress every few months and seeing how it was. And so, yeah, this is almost a year, basically a year later when we like moved into the bus after sh- after she'd been diagnosed. Okay. Can you get into a little bit about like what, what she was diagnosed with and how it came about and how she, you know, cause going to the doctor obviously is like, yeah, I've honestly never used to go when I was a, um, you know, full-time <laughs> athlete until I crashed. And then when I crashed all of a sudden, I mean, I've seen doctors nearly weekly for three and a half years now, um, you know, with all the injuries mm-hmm. I had. And, um, I'm curious, like from your experience, you know, being a partner, like, what, what initially triggered her to need to go in and then what what did they tell her? Because sometimes that can be a, a whole road in and of itself, you know, trying to get a diagnosis. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so we came home. She got a, and when we she came home, so I was still working like full time. I I worked um for just a, a tech company out of San Francisco, but I was full time remote for a while. Yeah. Um, and so I was still working. I had a work trip to with like my team. I think we were in like Tennessee or something like that. Um, so I went out to that, and it was the only time that she could get in while I was gone. And so she went in with like her mom and it was like a kind of like a big ordeal. Like there's a lot of testing and stuff and, and they were pretty concerned. Um, like the, the doctors and stuff when she went in to get it tested. So they, they can't, they wanted to do more tests and things. And, um, I think it was like a week later or something like she got the news that the, the biopsy came back, um, that it was, it was cancerous. Um, so it was breast cancer. Um, I guess I didn't make that clear. Uh, and so, yeah, that kind of put a halt to everything. We started meeting with oncologists and surgeons and stuff. And uh, she felt pretty strongly like we were going to still have um, there was still one more uh, kid to come in our family. And so she didn't love the idea of getting on like hormone treatments and stuff because they were like, yeah, if you get on that, um, you don't plan on having a kid for like five to seven years or something like it was like a pretty long time. Wow. Um, and there was a lot of kind of like discrepancies between the doctors of like what they thought would work, um, and different things. And none of them really ever felt like, oh yeah, that's, this feels like let's, let's do that. Or like, let's go with this until she found hope for cancer. Um, that's the clinic in Mexico that they're in Karen. They have a few different clinics, but, um, primarily out of Mexico, she found them and that one, like she really resonated with like their treatments that they had there and just kind of their whole like philosophy um, around treating cancer. Um, and so, yeah, over the next, like, so over the next year, so she went there for about a month and then we would go back every three months, um, to have like checkups and stuff. And they would do re they would like rescan. And basically the first checkup after she had done there, it had, um, decreased by like 25% the tumor. Um, and a lot of other levels and things in her body, they're all like improving. They're on the rise and things were getting better. The next appointment, it hadn't shrunk. I don't think at all. It had just stayed the same, but other certain levels were getting better. And that's kind of, that, that was the trend. Um, I think at one point it had gotten a little bit bigger again, but never back to where it started at. Um, but for the most part, like either stable or slightly getting s- smaller. Right. Um, yeah. Until it metastasized. And And that that happened when you guys were in the bus full time? Yeah. So we were planning to. um, Yeah. (laughs) We were kind of in this in-between stage. So we had done the bus for like a year and a half. um, But in that year and a half, we took like a three-month break and moved to Cancun where she could just kind of like not be an inpatient and stuff at this clinic, but we would just live there in like a house. Um, we put our kids in school there. Yep. Um, and then she would just go like every other day and have like, do like treatments and stuff. Um, and that seemed to be doing, she seemed to be doing pretty well with that. And so we came back for the summer. Um, we were planning to travel on the bus for about four months and then move back for a whole year. Um, so she could just kind of do the same regimen. 
And at the end of that format, we had a bunch of like engine issues and stuff over that summer. So like it stalled. We had all these like we had kind of like this route that we were going to go, but it like was for like two months, like we were in and out of the shop trying to, we had so many different opinions on what needed to be done and stuff. And um, so it kind of pushed into the, like the school year a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then she was starting to feel it at that point. We were up in like Glacier National Park and she was like, she was just, she could feel like her chest felt like sore, like in her sternum and stuff. Um, and then, so we were like, all right, we got it. We, and we were, we were trying to schedule, it was really, it was, this has been a really big pain is just trying to schedule scans and work with insurances to approve like getting scans, which is like crazy. Like she's already been diagnosed. Her oncologist is like putting in these um, requests for like the insurance because we want to get like a scan and they're like denying stuff. It was like, it was such a nightmare just to, but we finally got some scans on the calendar. And so we were coming back um, down to kind of like where we lived to get those done. Um, and she got scanned and it came back that it had metastasized. Um, and then, and we are, we were already planning to either settle somewhere. Initially it was going to be Cancun and then it kind of shifted to like, we were actually going to move to Maui. Um, and then quickly shifted when we needed to find somewhere fast once we found out it metastasized and we were just looking at rentals. Um, and we needed just, we needed to somewhere fast. And so then, um, we ended up going to St. George, Utah, um, finding a, a rental there and that, that worked for us and, and, uh, went there. That was like a month after we, f- we moved in about actually a little less than a month after we found out it metastasized. Okay. And is that where you guys are from? Cause I know you guys are from Utah, right? Yeah. More Northern Utah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, for the most part, we grew up in Utah. Like I was born in Southern California, um, and but like I went to high school and stuff in in Northern Utah, um, just north of Salt Lake. Yep. Um, and that's where a lot of our family is. But we just love warmer weather, yep. and so we wanted to. St. George is a pretty good, and we had been we had spent a lot of time in St. George. Yep. We have friends uh, here and stuff, and so. We wanted some warmer weather and it was still close enough to where we could be, you know, like see family and family could come see us and things. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in, in Utah specifically. I've been all over the state. St. George is a cool spot. Um, so you guys found this out. I, I'm curious, how, how did you go about, you know, handling that as a couple and relationship? And then how did you go about communicating that to your children? You know, having such young children. Yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, we just always felt pretty strong from like the get go that like things were going to work out. Like it was, it was going to be okay. And we just kind of followed that and followed what felt right. Like, um, not, not making decisions out of fear. Um, but kind of more about like, yeah, what, what felt right in your heart, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I remember when she, when we found out, I think she kind of knew, Um, I remember I was like, she was more optimistic, I think, than I was when we found out. Not that like things were bad, but I was just kind of like taken off guard, like in that doctor's appointment, like, oh my gosh, like, what the heck? And, and she was kind of (laughs) like, she was the one like calming, not calming me down, but like kind of like talking me down, you know, like, it's all right. Like, it's okay. I kind of had a feeling that it was going to be like this, but it's okay. Like, um, 
and we had a really good relationship um even before like i mean i think during the whole cancer process it it i mean it definitely grew for sure um we'd been married for well when she passed i don't even when but married for uh 14 years we've been together for like 16 um and so had some some time under our belt and just always like yeah we we're just yeah just our relationship was always really really strong that's not saying we didn't have any like arguments or anything ever but like I just felt like we always had like when I when we'd be around other people and couples and stuff I just kind of felt like we had something special not that they didn't but it was just it just felt different to me than when I would observe others you know it's interesting Um, we got really good at communicating I was sorry go oh sorry I I didn't mean to interrupt you there was a little bit of lag but I was just gonna say and hold that thought. Oh, I, want, I want to hear about the communication. But when I was watching you guys on YouTube and obviously, you know, people can act and, you know, you know, put on a certain like persona on YouTube. But there was like this this sense of just like authenticity, like you guys are just having fun, like living life and having fun together with your family, you know, and it, and you just happen to film it. And it was just I think that's why I was like, I got to reach out to this guy and have him on the show because of just how real the, <laughs> the episodes were, because there was just like this like. Rather, what a beautiful thing, you know, these are, these are two people living their life with their kids, you know, pursuing joy. And, uh, like you just said, like, I'm sure it wasn't the void of having struggles, but, uh, that really came across, you know, e- even as just a stranger on the internet, you know, watching your guys' YouTube channel. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was very much like palpable. Like it was a feeling that I could be like, wow, this is a, this is a really cool, cool relationship they have going on. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> appreciate that and i'm glad that i'm glad that came through because i mean yeah like traveling is i have this tendency to only remember like the good things <laughs> not all the all the bad things i guess that happened and the hard things that sure. were along the way because there were definitely struggles and there was so much of that but it was something we'd wanted to do for a long time and and even up in like we had made a decision to do it to travel and like and for just months beforehand and every month we were like, are we really doing this? Like, this is crazy. Right. Cause it, and it wasn't this, like we were like fed up with like our current situation of like, we got to do something different. It was just like, it kind of just felt like a calling of like, we need to do this. Um, we were super comfortable in our lives and our house and just like everything, like our family life, it was really good. And, but we just kind of felt this like pull of like, but I feel like we need to do this other thing mm-hmm. for n- you know, what doesn't necessarily make sense, but yeah, there was, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fun. Um, tried to have a lot of fun. (laughs) There's also, yeah, a lot of teaching. Emily was a really, really, really good teacher, especially for kids, but for, I mean, for everybody too. Um, and she, and that was one thing, I guess, to a good segue into what we were before is, I mean, just the communication aspect. Um, I grew up not a very good communicator, or just talking about like what I was feeling and things like that. And um, that was something that we, I mean, and we both worked on cause there was like different ends of the spectrum of like, how much do you talk about things and how little do you talk about things and kind of somewhere in that, in that middle and then, and being able to own, you know, your own feelings and emotions and without projecting and, and things like that. And um, especially over the, like we did from the, t- it's, it's funny how it worked out, but yeah, I mean, after she got diagnosed, that seemed to like also like jumpstart this other kind of like path, not just kind of like 
adventure and things, but like this whole kind of like what you're saying with like your injury, um, it just felt like we needed to grow in other ways, um, in our like mindset and just like how we approached life yeah. um, and each other and people. And so spent a lot of effort and time and money into developing, you know, those skills. It's interesting how your focus changes over time because it's like, you know, I, I even think about, and I talked about this on the show before, like being in my early twenties, focusing on being a pro athlete and pursuing these things. And I obviously really wanted a relationship then, but really didn't know how to be in a functional one um, at the time. And I think, you know, as I've moved in my thirties, like my, my, when I crashed, I was 29, you know, now it's been basically four years since I, since that crash. And obviously I've lost some of experiences to just trying to rectify the injury, but also like, as you're bringing up, it sort of like just shifted my perspective on what is worth my time, you know, and not like, not that pursuing these things aren't worth my time. They absolutely are. But I think when you have something like that shakes you up, shakes you up in your core like that, like like a loss of life of somebody that you love or some sort of serious ailment, serious injury or something happens. It's like a very serious change in your life. You have a decision at that point on how you're going to perceive it, how you're going to deal with it for the rest of your life. And it'll affect basically all the people you come in contact with. And, you know, I think everyone has a, has a sort of term of grieving and of feeling these feelings of like, why me? Why is this happening to my story, to someone I love and to people that I love? Uh, but then you also have a decision to make, like, how am I going to use this to live on, to carry this person's memory? You know, and I'm curious where to carry my own. And, I, and I'm curious from, from your perspective, like, you know, once you guys found out it had mis- metastasized, you know, what went through your head it, you know, if you knew it was, it was a terminal illness on preparing for that, because I I've spoken about death a lot on this show. And I think it's something that as a culture, especially in the West, we seldom speak of outside of a religious context. And we really need to speak about it more. Um, because, you know, quite frankly, it's, it's the most important teacher of life. It gives everything value because all the things we love are impermanent. Right. And I'm curious from your perspective, like, how did you prepare for that did you even have any time you know because sometimes we can't prepare at all and did you have like any thought process on okay these are the things i need to do to enjoy this time with her until i don't have that ability anymore because i I realized like your guys's content it seemed like you were filming all these memories like right before she passed i didn't know if you if you knew or if you guys both knew if you didn't if you were expecting it Yeah. I mean, we weren't expecting it. We'd had a a handful of kind of like spiritual um, experiences that um, I felt really, really strong that she was going to like, going to make it through. Um, We had, we we knew a handful of people that had had be just from like, connecting online or at over cancer and just like different communities known known met personally a handful of people with these like you know these like terminal like illness right where it's like metastasized and like oh once it metastasized it's like your percentage is like nil or you know it's but we've known so many people that have been healed from these things to where we were just so focused on 
her healing and like celebrating wins of like it was hard i mean sometimes it was hard because like when things like there was a couple of a couple months where she's having like seizures and stuff and it was like man it just felt like we just got knocked down some stairs like we were climbing up the stairs on the way to like her like recovery and her like full healing and then something would like come up so we i would say we weren't expecting it until maybe like a day or two maybe that week before she was she was kind of struggling a lot yeah um for the first time like that bad like she had had tons of pain and tons of like she's super resilient but this one kind of started to feel a little different to where it was yeah a little a little different and so and that, and that's one of the things where it's like man if i knew she was going to pass like that day you know or something like if i knew it was that serious at that point I probably would have cherished that like a little bit more or like, you know, not been as distracted with like business things or, you know, kind of like thinking about the future of things, just kind of being way more present in that moment. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if you, what other questions you asked? (laughs) No, that was, that was, that was, that was exactly it. I I was just going to share my personal experience. So the closest thing I have to this experience you're sharing is uh, I grew up without a father. My grandfather is, the, uh, the man who raised me and he passed away um, in 2012, my senior year of undergrad. And uh, I remember I was in an ecology class my senior year uh, at San Diego state. We went to school in San Diego and um, my, my mom was texting me and then she had called me and she's like, you know, uh, you need to, you know, you, you need to come down here. Cause I don't know how much longer he has. And in my mind, you know, he had just gone to surgery. He was doing fine. He had hip surgery, but, um, he, he had like this, this other procedure they did that I, uh, uh, I knew like they shouldn't have done this procedure because his white blood cell count was low. He just wasn't recovered from this hip procedure. Right. But they just wanted to get it all out of the way. And just deep down inside, I was like, I don't, I don't think you should go back in for surgery. Um, but regardless, they, my, my nana decided to take him back in. And when she told me that, I was like, how, how, like I was not prepared for, it. I was like, how can he go from just having surgery is okay. And now he's like not doing so well. And what had happened is uh, when they intubated him for this other surgery, um, they uh, uh, apparently like did s- messed up something in his esophagus and it caused some pneumonia, which is not entirely uncommon, but not, not super common either. And he was already so, uh, you know, it, like in the recovery phase from having just a weakened immune system from having major hip surgery um, that he just got really sick all out of nowhere. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, there's no way he's going to pass. Like he was 80 at the time. I was like, it's just not his time. Like, you know, I have so many more questions for him. Like I hadn't even really been in a real relationship with, and he was pretty much the person I went to for any sort of life advice, you know, and hadn't even owned my own home yet. There were so many questions and he's like my father figure, you know, in life. And, um, it's crazy. I'm getting emotional right now. I, uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't need to like rush right now. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I'll, I'll finish class and then I'll like, ride my bike home and like i had i was i was basically finals week and um i was like you know i'll study for my finals and then you know the the next day or the day after that i'll get down to tucson right um which where they were were in arizona and i literally was getting out of class and my mom called me and she's like he's not with us anymore you know and it it was like in that mind we're like in my mind, I was like, well, I was going to wait and not that rushing would have changed anything, but I think what it, it just like sure. shook me to my core where like I, 
it's it's this feeling when you lose someone like that when you can never hear their voice again that moment where you just like at least for me like i just went so pale like there was like this, this like the soul out of my body just left for a bit you know and i felt like i was in a you know elevator that was going down that and I would just felt completely empty, like that feeling when the elevator just drops, you know, and, there, and you feel all the weight of gravity. Um, and I remember just like, I didn't even know what to think. Like when I think about the thoughts I was having then, I was just completely absent of thought, probably for the first time in my life, because I just, I was so present in that moment of loss because of how important he was and is to me, you know. And I remember like riding my bike back to uh, the house that I was living in. And, um, I would just like, I hadn't even really, I hadn't even started crying yet. I haven't even processed the emotion because I'd spoke to him a couple days before on the phone and, you know, he, he wasn't speaking super well, but he didn't, it didn't seem like it was like, he's going to pass, you know? And the fact is, is like in many instances, we don't know, you know, I mean, people pass far too young in random accidents all the time. And I don't think there is any way to prepare for it, but I think one of the, incredible things about your guys's story is how you were documenting living your life together up until this point and you were documenting sort of still pursuing your happiness and your joy even having to deal with these treatments even having to uproot your life because of cancer you know um and i just found that like i found that incredibly relatable because i feel like so many times we put things on pause and for very good reason like right we have to be a caretaker we have to step in at, I, mean, I totally understand that and i would do the same thing but i also think we forget to contribute to our own joy a lot of times when we're in those moments and it's really hard because you're grieving and you're in pain and you're you're in this like preemptive worry and this preemptive guilt as well too um but i think it's really important and it's it's just it's so valuable to cherish those moments as much as possible and even though you didn't know like you were saying you know if she would have gone that day or not i think what i feel from you guys at least least through again like the videos i watch is that you know you were you were living as if nothing was happening as much as possible to like still enjoy your life you know with your kids as much as she could based on her health and i just i find that like quite beautiful because it's quite hard to live a normal life when you're having a completely abnormal experience. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> it's funny. I, I mean, our life didn't feel quite so normal yeah. just because <laughs> normal to us was doing so much more. Right. So this felt so slow right. a lot of times because right. it was just like we were home like so much. We were like, we used to just be like, on the go and like always like all right we got like what should we do this weekend let's go there let's do this hike let's like go be outside and that was one of the things that was kind of hard especially for emily was kind of just being stuck like feeling like she couldn't um go anywhere or almost like kind of sit on the sidelines more than she used to like if we're in the pool or we're swimming like she couldn't be in there she kind of could but like in a different capacity and um but yeah, I mean, you tried to make <laughs> the best of it. You know, people don't understand. It really changes your life. I, I have a really close friend who I've had on the show, Dr. Beth Dupree, and she's actually one of the most famous breast cancer surgeons in the world. And I, I, I used to go to film in the OR with her for companies when she was doing different operations and obviously know her very well. 
And so she, I have a lot of experience through, through that with sort of her experience and people really don't know like how much it changes your life and how it affects, especially at a young age, right? How it affects all these things. And not to compare my experience to going through cancer whatsoever, but even in my own injury, like there's just things like I can't enjoy or can't do anymore because of like the pain my arms in all the time, you know? Um, and I think that it's even harder for someone that's in a stage of life where youth is still abundant, right? Like when you're younger, when you can still do, when you have all these years to like be active, to work out, to climb mountains, to, you know, go backpacking with your family, do these things, you know? And I, I think that for people that, that don't understand because they haven't had the the experience, it's really important to listen to things like this because it allows you to, I would say more healthily connect with people that are going through an experience like that and have more empathy and understand that like, it's not just, you know, it's not just like, Hey, you take this pill and you're gonna get over it and be wishful thinking. It's, it's a, it's a full-time job, you know, literally like every day being sick and being ill and being in pain. And that job unfortunately affects everyone and everything around you because they too have to experience it with you on their level, you know, and it really changes the fabric of your life experience for, for the years you experience it. And I think it obviously provides some beauty too, because there's some, there's some experience you'd never experience without suffering like that. But unfortunately that's, it is suffering in a lot of ways, you know, and I, I, I find it inspiring when people can be so strong and so courageous, you know, like she was, um, and be able to like showcase that, you know, but also break down and show that they also are feeling like shit. You know, that they also are losing hope on some days, right? While still trying to stay hopeful um, because that's real. It's just the reality of experiencing like something like a cancer diagnosis or something like a terminal illness where you don't have, uh, you know, the answers that you're looking for and you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And I think that, you know, yeah. as I, I feel like I know her a little bit just because of, again, stranger on the internet watching you guys on YouTube, but I think when I, when I saw you guys together, when I, when I hear her talk a lot, I just felt like there was just, just like this very, very strong, courageous human being, you know, who's going to do whatever she could to stay here, but also was going to make sure like she left the people behind if she were to do that, like with a lot of love. And I thought that that, that was just like came through and everything you guys put together. And I was like, I, like when I watched that episode, I'm, I'm getting emotional again. Like when I watched that last episode of you guys, like, I, I started to cry because it just, it was so like touching all the memories and all the things you guys have done. And you guys aren't that old, you know, and all the experiences you guys have had, uh, you know, within the life she lived. And it was just, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, and even for like, for us, where like, especially on the outside, it looks like we're like doing all the stuff now and, you know, like, being present or there was still like so much that I was like, man, we were looking forward to like this and this and this kind of like had these things, these milestones that we were looking forward to. Not so much like grass is greener thing of like, Oh, it's going to be better when, but like, yeah, just kind of like more like milestones of these like accomplishments or things that we're going to get to, or we're going to do this. And you just don't ever know when, if you'll actually get to those or not. We have, I'm actually working on a video right now. It's funny you say that, that <laughs> um, cause sometimes what we, I mean, we tend to focus on a lot of the good on our like 
platform and stuff and not always the most like i mean emily was better about it as like kind of being on camera and being more vulnerable yeah um and things but i'm actually working on a our next video as um showcasing and like really talking about certain instances and, and certain things that like were not easy <laughs> yeah um yeah just a kind of highlight of like the struggle <laughs> do you mind sharing a couple of those especially that last year um sure um so <laughs> the other day i just watched this movie it's on netflix um it's called penguin bloom have you seen that i have not no so um it's about this they're on vacation this family really like adventurous kind of family like um and the mom like i guess spoiler alert she she like breaks her back um and it's kind of like their new lie and they get this like pet then they name it penguin but that is like such a like real depiction of like a lot of what happened in the last year of what it's like to have someone that's like so healthy and so like adventurous um, to then basically be put in a wheelchair and like have to be helped for everything physically, you know, um, mentally super there and stuff, but just like the toll it can take, not just on them, but on like the rest of the family. Um, and so I guess you have to go about that is like, I mean, sometimes it was hard, really hard for Emily to um, watch, you know, sit back and watch. Like I give an example of like swimming in the pool, like to where she would just kind of sit on the sidelines and enjoy it, but it just wasn't the same as it was before yeah. or going on a road trip, um, going like back up North to like visit family. And it was just like, really hard to have her be i mean she basically has like a broken back um because with how it's metastasized in her spine um and certain vertebrae have have collapsed so like basically living in like constant pain she didn't like having to rely on like pain meds all the time to be kind of like at this like you know comfortable level um and so she would often rather you know instead of having to take pain meds all the time, she would just kind of push through that pain. Um, I remember there was times where she was like, (laughs) she'd be like, I just want to be able to like clean my own like bathroom and clean my own like toilet and like make my kids like lunch. And, um, and I remember like kind of towards the end, she was like, I just want to be able to walk like, walk get my get up in the night and like walk to the kitchen to get a snack or to get myself a drink um but she couldn't do that it was like um she would would, and that was just normal for us it was normal it was my normal life i just expect i always had my phone on like was never on vibrate um the volume was always super turned up really loud so that if like i wasn't within like earshot like she could you know, she wouldn't just have to sit there and wait, like, for someone to come, like, help her go to the bathroom or, yeah, fill up her water bottle. Like, some of the simplest things that, like, we just do unconsciously, like, it's just a program in our mind that you just do it that, like, 
she just wanted to do those things, the simplest things. Um, so yeah, kind of talking about <laughs> um, some of that stuff. Um, um, interviewed some of like her family and friends and just to, to get like that perspective of like what it was like to observe. Um, and sometimes it was hard for me to always know what was hard. Or like when I look back, like I said, I, have a, I, I can have a hard time like remembering those harder times because sure. in those moments, I don't ever, I don't always see it as like hard. I just see it as this is the way, this is how it is right now. And we're going to make it better kind of a thing, or we're going to like, or I'm going to focus on this part about it. Like, and it's not so much like, you know, just repeating affirmations of like, Oh, everything's great. Everything's great. Right. It's, it's not so much that it's just so much like, this is, this is the way it is. Now, how can I make it better? Or how can I learn from this without the focus being so much on like hard or, you know, this sucks. It's just like, how can I get better? How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Um, and kind of more focusing on that. So that was like our life. Like that was just, that was just normal life. Um, and I think it was really eye opening when people would come visit us or something like that, or come stay at our house and then just see the amount of effort it was to like, you know, like not only on my end to like take care of her, um, full time, but then also just to see what it's like to like be so dependent upon other people when it's especially she's a Emily was a super independent person. We we're very independent people, like have never relied on other people for things. And this, especially in that last year of like her life, it was like we just kind of had to let go of a lot of that and just be willing to receive, receive help in so many ways and just kind of like, okay, like people want to bring us food if people want to give us money if people want to like whatever like that was so not normal for us and we just kind of had to let go and surrender and just accept think, other people's service and so i really appreciate you saying that at the end there because i think it's really hard for anybody that's very independent but even harder in situations like you guys were in but i think in those situations it's when you're more apt because at some point you just have to give up and say like we need help you know, we have to be open to being help and sort of it teaches you to be more accepting. Um, and I think that, you know, when you, when you have to do that, you understand that you, you understand like the, the awareness it also takes to have of your own, of the caregivers too, right? Because as you were saying, like it starts to take a toll on everyone, right? Everyone that's involved. And I can certainly like even picture what you were saying about Emily in my mind when she's at the pool and it's at some point it gets hard to experience joy around others that are experiencing joy even if it's your kids and your your partner even if you love them because if you if it happens over and over again and you just can't be yourself you just can't walk you just can't do these things that we take for granted in so many days I mean I know I took my my health for granted you know I used to be able to do so many things athletically and now I'm I'm in pain all the time and there's just things I can't do and she she was even way way more limited because of her illness and i think that when you when you experience something like that it's really hard to tap into like full joy again because it's 24 7 consistent reminder that your life is severely limited and that's what i thought was you know a beautiful thing about your guys channels like i could see those little glimpses of joy even in the incredible struggle and the incredible difficulties and uh and it's not easy. It's not easy to 
just be happy even for a moment when you're experiencing something as as difficult as, as all of you went through. Yeah. And I mean, it's like living in a place of gratitude was like super helpful of like just constantly like thinking of like either how this can be good in some way, like a, like reframing it or just thinking about other things or what's come of it or things of just like how to be grateful for it. Cause um, yeah, everything kind of sucks if you don't. That's, I mean, that's, that's been me a lot just in since she's passed is like, um, Yeah, you, just trying to find things you're grateful for because yeah. <laughs> her loss is like really, really big for me. Like, yeah, really big loss. I'm curious, what do you, you know, how do you tell yourself about like the future of moving forward from now on, right? Like, I think that's, I know this is a hard question to pose because of how fresh everything is. But I want to still ask it to you because I think that, you know, obviously being a father and having children and still wanting to pursue, you know, all the beautiful things in life while still in have still having a grief. And, and this grief is going to last for a long, long time. Right. I mean, just we're, this is a show about honesty. And, you know, I I'm not fully done grieving. My grandfather passed away in 2012, and that was literally over 11 years ago. You know, um, it's gotten incredibly better yeah. over the years, but I still have days where I miss him. I'll just start crying out of nowhere. I wish he was here. I wish I could ask him questions. You know, and I think that. Uh, well, first off, Colby, I just want to say thank you for sharing that with me because I know how difficult this is to speak about this, uh, at least from my perspective and my own experiences. And I think also being a man, like I think <laughs> most of us are not taught how to express emotion at a young age. You know, we handle it in very different ways. And so obviously with your heart being open and loving a woman this deeply um, and being so connected with her and sharing this openly, you know, thank you for, for sharing this. Um, how do you, in your mind, like envision, like, how do you move forward? Like what, what are the things that you're looking forward to? You know, where is life taking you now after you know, having to go through this with her and then now still having your family? Uh, great question. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of just at this point living in more of a state of surrender and like really trusting in what comes in yeah. um, this like kind of like higher purpose and and, and um, yeah, and what, what comes like we just we just actually bought our house, which we were never planning to buy. We were renting it and all a bunch of circumstances came and ended up just kind of really leaning into like, okay, this feels like this is what we need to do. Like, let's buy it. Let's figure out a way. Like, I mean, I haven't really worked in like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and so just financing and stuff, but uh, letting go of outcomes um, and trying really hard to be, yeah, like present. Um um, finishing a lot of the work that Emily um, had started. Um, so here soon, I mean, it kind of technically did, but it was more like a soft launch um, with this with this video that I'm I'm currently making. Um, that's going to kind of like set off the launch of like um, we created a brand around. So it's called Empowered. It's a play on words, right? Like. Yeah. Um, 
it's something that so she did some she did like some coaching with people and in her whole like a lot of what she said and like as i'm reading through her journals and stuff like she talked about like helping others to be empowered a lot um one of her books she was writing is called empowered by emotions um and it's just interesting that it's like she used this a lot and then it happened just to be like and because um her family and friends would all call her m um and so it's like you know like powered by m um and so launching this brand of hers um i think to still help people too to feel connected to her um in ways and to still be able to hear her voice and um be able to like she has some meditations and things that she had done and just like her poetry and then her she has a couple books um and paintings and so still kind of being able to carry on her legacy and to help others to feel empowered um so that's like something that i'm i mean i'm still kind of looking forward to right now and, and moving forward it feels kind of like it's something that needs to be done and that i need to I need to do that um, for her and for others. And also just to kind of setting off kind of more of my like kind of higher purpose, which is I think to help others as well too. Yeah. Um, I've, I need to kind of step more outside of my comfort zone and work on and use a lot of the skills that I've developed um, to be able to yeah, help other people and coach um, some people through not only like grief, but relationship things. Um, um, done a lot of kind of training in that, and I've kind of just been sticking it on this on the shelf. And yep. it, um, yeah, just kind of, and like carrying on that mantra, not just through her brand, but then yeah, being able to help others and have kind of a more fulfilling, um, yeah, purpose, I guess, than just kind of like I used to. Um, uh, I was like a, a product designer for like software, so I design apps and stuff. And um, not that there's anything against that, I just kind of feel like it, I need to do something more like it's just not you anymore. Purposeful, <laughs> yeah, right. I understand that very much. I've had a lot of different hats I've worn throughout my young younger professional career, and you know. Um, but I mean, what, what a beautiful testament to to her work and, and you want to get into that. I mean, I think the best grief counselors, the best therapists that work in any any sort of modality have deep experiences themselves, deep interpersonal experiences and have come around it uh, like more healthy and more whole and more authentic than when they first started through that experience and have been able to heal you know, many, many experiences in life can cripple us and can put us on our knees. And one thing that I keep hearing you say is just like your spirituality in this and how that's, you know, kind of been a cornerstone, you know, through this experience. And can you share a little bit about how, I guess you both of your connection to spirit in, in your, in your way, how that helped you grieve and how it's helping you grieve still? Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like I'm more reliant or more seeking kind of like help and guidance on things kind of above myself and above like, right. Like, yeah, I mean, your podcast is starve the ego, right. Feel the soul, feed the soul. So above the ego, like what's necessarily trying to serve me. But cause I know that 
I think in our mortality that we can only comprehend so much and there is a higher power. Um, and I mean, f for me, it's, it's God and, and, um, I mean, I'm Christian in Christ. And so, um, that, uh, that there is a higher purpose and higher power and someone that knows, um, and knows how to connect, I guess, like, um, all the dots, I guess. And, yeah. and so, um, for me, it's tapping more into that. Cause I feel like when I tap into that is when I can kind of understand and feel Emily as well more. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of forgetting what your question was. No, that, that, that was, was that was it. Answer. I mean, it's, you answered it. It's a beautiful, you know, I think, I think that that's, that's exactly it. That's how I viewed it in my own life. You know, I, I had a, I was raised Catholic and I had a huge portion of my twenties where I felt, Oh, I was atheist. And then I was agnostic. And then I had, you know, as you kind of brought up some different spiritual experiences, mostly through trauma, mostly through stress, mostly through, uh, when things went really, really South for me, um, personally. And one of the things I felt when I felt the most lonely and the most alone, even though I was, you know, running full time, living all over the mountains, doing all these things as a young 20 year old traveling, is I felt disconnected from something greater than myself. It's not that I didn't didn't feel altruistic, something I didn't want to help others, but I just felt like it was I was just focusing on me. You know, it was just me between these two years. And you know, at some point going through enough honestly suffering I think brings you here and you have a choice as a, as a human being to either reconnect with something deeper than yourself or com or continue to sort of avoid it. And I don't I don't criticize that choice because many of us make it but I think at some point I kept trying to avoid it and kept making excuses, you know, and like, oh, I, I believe in things that are tangible. I believe in science, which I do still very much so. But then enough of the suffering brought me to be like, I, I need something greater than myself to tap into that connects in my mind life that connects all the beautiful things and and all the not so beautiful things. And that sort of em empowers people to when you see someone cry, you feel for them. Right. This empathy like that just doesn't come from anywhere, you know. There's, there's a deep thing in all of us, you know, that we can connect with. And that is when I feel more connected, more connected to anyone I've loved or anyone I love. Uh, just like you bring it up. It's when I feel less sorry for myself, for what I'm going through or what I've experienced in my life. And it also allows me to rise above the, that pain and help others in a way where I'm not just focusing on my own suffering all the time. You know, I'm also focusing on my own gratitude, my own joy, right? I still have plenty of ability, even with my limitations, right? Um, and I think that's just a, a beautiful sentiment, you know, to sort of wrap it up on. So Colby, I, I want to like give you the opportunity, you know, I know you're working on, on empowered. I know you have this video coming out. Like, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, you know, tell them about the, the YouTube channel, obviously you guys started and you know, where they can connect with you. Because if you're going to start this coaching thing, I would love to you know help facilitate that. Cause, um, you know, I, I believe in, in us be connecting for, for a reason here, because there's, there's no way that I would have seen you know, your YouTube channel randomly. We'll look in through bus life things on the internet that day and knowing like, I have to have this, this man on the show to share some time with him. I <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's funny how many times I feel like people have, I think I, and that's generally, I think, how a lot of people find us is like bus stuff. Yep. Um, and like our bus field, like video, which is on the lost bells. That's our YouTube channel. Um, and then our Instagram is also lost bells. 
Uh, we kind of have a few different routes. So yeah, we have Lost Bells, which is kind of more about like the family and traveling and adventure. Um, and who knows what it's like now and kind of like maybe dealing fan. It's, it's generally around like family stuff, adventure, dealing with grief, you know, and loss now. Um, uh, and we have Emily's, which is, uh, just like Emily Joy Bell. And I'm going to continue to run that and post she has, cause she was a really good writer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to continue to post, um, her things in there. So it's like, it is still kind of like her voice, very much her voice on there. Not, not from me. Yep. Um, and then mine is just the Colby bell. Uh, and that's probably where I'll run more like my own kind of like coaching and stuff out of, but yeah, it's been interesting to have, see how people kind of like kind of filter in and they find us through this. And then like <laughs> I got choked up. Um, I mean, people just reach out to him, like me specifically, like, that have gone through similar things, you know, or I found you through this, like your bus, but then my husband or some passed away or my wife passed away. And like, um, and like, and, and you are touched by it. And, and yeah, a lot of what our YouTube channel is, it's more like just kind of like a, it's almost like a, just a video journal, you know, a documentary on like us. It's not so much like tricks and tips and things. It's yeah. just kind of like, it's just us yep. stuff. So yeah, man. Well, Colby, thank you so much, my friend for coming on the show and sharing some time with me. Uh, I'd love to meet you in person. Uh, if you're still in St. George, I definitely pass through there as much as I can. Um, cause my home base is usually in Flagstaff, Arizona, even though I'm in San Diego right now. And, um, you know, I'd love to share mm-hmm. whatever you you're putting out there and uh, would love to honestly read some of Emily's writing too. I want to, I want to get to that page and, and read some, cause I'm sure she, she writes some incredibly powerful things. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing some time with me. Yeah. Appreciate it, Nico. And yeah, anytime dude, we'll, we'll be here for a while. So hit me up when you're on your way through or something. Appreciate it. Appreciate you reaching out and just inviting me to do this. Trying to keep everything balanced, trying to hold on to our faith, trying to keep a grip on our hope, trying to hold on to our joy, trying to hold on to our peace. And every time we grip again, it seems like life shakes us up again. We was young and we was dumb, but we had all in the dark when we survived through the bad fall apart and all that will be left of you is what was in your heart and in your heart and